Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Seven sixty six sixty six. The end of the regular season. The end of our Jets and Giants season. The fun is over. I'm sorry. We'll have to wait to next year. I have to wait to next year with these two teams. Oh, what a pity! It is a bummer. I mean, listen. As as terrible as the season is, Sundays are special during football season. It's they're their own holiday every week, and you only get seventeen of these, and it's going to take a while before we get them back. But it will uh, be nice to hopefully have some hope over the next few weeks as we talk about the draft, as we talk about building the team. And hopefully we don't talk about Daniel Jones anymore, as the last caller did. And really, it's it's amazing to me that both of these quarterbacks, uh, Flegelman and I were just talking about it during the, uh, during the break there. It's amazing to me how many people will defend Zach Wilson and Daniel Jones to the bitter end, man. It's amazing to me. I'll never understand it. I don't. I don't get it. I mean, I mean Zach Wilson especially. I mean Zach Wilson. If you look at this team, like they have been a much better offense with Trevor Simeon, like much better. He went two and one in the games he started. The offense has been much better. Garrett Wilson's played better. Obviously, the running game has um, has gotten better. The uh, but you know the offensive line has gotten better. Suddenly, all the problems with the team. Got better. Now, not great. I'm not trying to tell you they were great. Uh, I think the, the weather hampered the offense in this particular game. I th- Brees Hall was incredible. Under under normal circumstances, there's a chance that this offense actually did have a good day if they weren't hampered by the weather. But, I mean, just look at how, they, look at how they've played with every other quarterback besides Zach Wilson. Now, a, a lot of them haven't, you know, had a lot of wins necessarily, but Mike White was so far better and the offense was so far better with Mike White than it was with Zach Wilson. And now this year, Simeon's not breaking any records, don't get me wrong. But watch the games. Like he went down the I, I know the 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 Browns game got ugly and there were some sacks in it, but he goes they give up that opening touchdown and then he goes right down the field with the Jets and scores and I, I what I believe is their first and only opening drive touchdown of the year. He goes down the field, scores a touchdown. The defense just didn't show up that day, and the Browns' defense, particularly at home, is is really, really good. But this offense, all the issues they had, the offensive line, the run game, getting getting targets and, and uh, you know, uh, targets to, to Wilson, all of that improved with Trevor Simeon. And yet still... Even the coach, he's going to have a great career. Like we, we never stop defending these guys. I don't know what it is, and I don't know why Daniel Jones gets the defense he gets as well. Like I just, I don't understand it. It's time to move on. It's time to get a quarterback. I'm tired of the glimpses and what he could have been. What we learned this year was all the talk about him being top this and top that and better than this one and better than that one is all just nonsense. It is. He can't stay healthy, and he was awful when he played this year. He had one good half against the Cardinals. That's it. 
Oh, but it's the offensive line. Oh, but it's this. Oh, but it's that. Oh, but it's this. There's always an excuse. Look around the league. These quarterbacks, there's a lot of bad offensive lines. Is the Giants one of the worst? Yes, they were one of the worst this year. If not the worst, fine. They had the least amount of points scored in the NFL. And he and a lot of the sacks are his fault. And he turned the ball over this year. He was awful. But we have to defend him. Have to defend him. That's why I just I want to move on just for that. I hate to be honest with you. I want to move on just to be done with Daniel Jones and answering questions on whether or not he's the guy. I can't do it for another year. Can't do it. I can't do another year of oh, you know, and the worst part about it is we didn't really get get a chance to learn what Daniel Jones is. We've learned. He's a pat he's a serviceable quarterback, and if everything else was right, he could, you know, probably win you some games. If the roster was excellent, he could, you know, just maybe he could win you. He can win some games for you, but he he can't overcome. He can't be the reason. Like you watch CJ Stroud in that game the other night. Like his ability to throw and wait until he's just about to get hit and then throw bullets. Like that's what the Giants need. They need someone. Oh, the wide receiver room stinks. Yeah, again. Nico Collins is not that good. Tank Dell is not that good. He makes them good. Quarterbacks do this. I mean, again, Lazard, not that good. Pretty pretty decent wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers. Stewart in Brooklyn, what's up, Stupot? Good morning, C-Mac. Yeah, I agree with you. They have to, they both have to get quarterbacks. Because the quarterback play has been god awful. They, they, you can't watch it. It's hard to watch. Especially Zach Wilson. He just never got it. He never was able to read defenses. And, okay, he has, he has talent, but he can't use the mental part of the game. Meaning reading defenses, meaning when to take a sack or when to throw the ball away. It's like, he he's lost. He looks like a uh, a deer in headlights. Well, thankfully we're done with him. Thankfully well, that's thank all God over. Well, for sure because you know what? And uh, Chris, What's, what do yeah. you think about bringing? Why why are they going to bring back Sala and and uh, Douglas because yeah. of Aaron Rodgers? Yes. Let me ask you, Chris. That's why. Was was that a, was that a mistake bringing in Rodgers? Um, right, right now, the easy answer is yes, uh, off of yeah, one year, but, but no, I mean, I, I, it's right now it's incomplete. <clears throat> I, I, I would never, at the time, I think they did the right thing. I still think they did the right thing. We'll find out year one was a failure. And, and I think bringing him here made this year worse <clears throat> with him getting hurt. It made this year worse because they were unable to adjust. They didn't want to go get another quarterback for whatever reason, whether it's him saying it, whether it's, you know, I heard Evan talking about the idea that Woody just said he had spent, an, there's a thought that Woody said, I spent enough on the quarterback position, I'm done. Whatever the case may be, him being here and being hurt ended up being terrible for this year. But he's one of the great quarterbacks of all time. And I do think him and Hackett know how to make this offense work. 
And quite honestly, without Zach, you saw improvement from Hackett. I don't think he's the worst offensive coordinator in football. I don't. I don't. I don't think he's very good necessarily. I don't think he's great. He certainly wasn't able to adjust his game plan and make it more suited for the quarterbacks he had. He stuck with his game plan despite the idea that Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers could not be further away in ability to read defenses for sure and the ability to run that offense. But I still think you saw a lot in the particularly the the Patriot game and different games where the scheme had guys open. The quarterback's unable to find them. Just plain and simple. Guys are open, not all the time. Some games were terribly coached. But there were some games, a couple of games, specifically the Patriot game, the first loss to the Patriots. There were guys running open, running free. What was what was the other game, Fliegelman, I remember, where everyone was going crazy. All the all, all the all the um the beat guys were going nuts about how open uh, Garrett Wilson was consistently in the first half of that. It game. was the Falcons game. It was the Falcons, but that that wasn't uh, Zach. Right. Well, I'm just talking about the quarterback position in general without Aaron Rodgers. But oh, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. the Falcons game. Right, the Falcons game where. <clears throat> It was just, Wilson, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson was just wide open consistently. And the quarterback is unable to find him. So, I mean, the scheme and the offensive game plan isn't as bad as it looks. It's not great. I'm not telling you he's a great coach. But his, the quarterbacks he played with, or the quarterbacks he was, you know, working with, were not able to run his offense. And he should have adjusted better to make it passable. He couldn't. But... The if a better quarterback plays with him, they have a much better offense, and they probably find a way to sneak into the postseason. Let's be told, with this defense and a better quarterback in this AFC, they might be a wild card team right now if they went out and got someone serviceable. But that's the end. It's all over now. We're done with it. But the reason why I still want Aaron Rodgers is because I do believe with him and this team, they're capable of special things, and I do think it makes. Once you go out and get him, whether or not it was a mistake or not, right? We can revisit whether they should have brought him in or not. They did. He's here. He's not going anywhere. And I respect the hell out of him for that, at least, of all the other nonsense going on. I do respect on some level because we've seen with other mercenaries, as we talk about other mercenaries, specifically the Nets and the Mets, like the second there's adversity, they run for the hills. They want out. They want to fit. Oh, they, you know, uh, you got guys coming in telling you, Kenny Atkinson's the reason I want to be here. I love the way the Nets play. I love the basketball they play. I love, I, I love this group, right? That's what Durant said. That's why he came here. And then after one year, they had to go trade for the beard, and then they had to go fire the coach. <laughs> you know, I mean, and then after all that, he still wants to get traded. Where at least Aaron Rodgers, and I know it's different, and I know at his age, coming off an injury, he might not have the options Kevin Durant has, or the want, or the desire of other teams to trade the Jets for him, but still, he has made it very clear he's going to stay here. He wants to be a part of it multiple years. He, he, he reworked his contract. He is in with the Jets. So once you did it, whether or not you should have or not, that's a moot point. We could discuss it all day long. It doesn't matter. They did. Once you did, you can't break out of it. And give up on it a year in. You can't not you can't make a move like this and never see the benefit of it ever. You can't give up now. 
So as much as I might think Robert Sala is an average at best and probably worse than that head coach, I still don't know what kind of coach he is because he's, he's never had a quarterback, and there are plenty of reasons to get on him. The penalties, the consistent penalties, the the defense not showing up against the Browns on some levels. There's a lot of things you can get on his clock management, um, his inability to get on a player. He's too nice. All that's what you hear a lot about Robert Sala. That all may be true, but he's never really been given a great chance to win with these guys. Just never. And if, if Aaron Rodgers wants him here, if Aaron Rodgers wants his offensive coordinator and he wants his head coach and he wants his GM, why on earth would I give up on that now? I want Rodgers as comfortable in an offense he knows backwards and forwards. Like I talked about this uh, a little bit off of the, the game against Cleveland, like all of the, the pre-snap penalties the offense has. Do you know what the best cure is? Not hiring another head coach. The best cure of pre-snap penalties is having Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You can for, you, The pre-snap penalties get eliminated almost immediately. Like how smart is Aaron Rodgers? How many times has Aaron Rodgers got uh, a defense of too many men on the field by, by realizing the guy's running off and snapping the ball quickly? He knows this offense inside and out. He will eliminate or help eliminate procedural issues and pre-snap penalties because he's Aaron Rodgers and he knows the offense in and out. He's not one of these guys who were on the practice squad, came up a couple weeks here, getting some snaps with team one, getting, you know, it's just, or being Zach Wilson. Like it's it's night and day. Some of those offensive pre-snap penalties go away with Aaron Rodgers. Some of the bad snacks, some of some, some of the different things just go away. He makes a world of difference. A world of difference. And I trust him and what he thinks about this football team over what's the choice? Firing everybody and letting Woody Johnson hire a new bunch of guys? What makes you think that Woody Johnson's capable of hiring better? I don't think there's anything you can do but run it back, and thankfully the Jets are, because I just don't, I don't, I don't see a, a legitimate option to that. Steve in Long Island, what's up, Steve? Hey, C-Mac. Uh, always uh, good to uh, speak to you. Oh, I agree you, with Steve. you on the Giants. Uh, I think uh, that Daniel Jones is an average or mediocre quarterback, and that. Uh, in this league, while you can win if you have an uh, incredible supporting cast with a mediocre average quarterback in general, the league is run by the elite quarterbacks, the Lamar Jacksons of the world, the yep. Jalen Hurts, etc. Uh, Brock Purdy's a question mark at this point, but in general... Well, he's, uh, he's, and he's a very back, good quarterback, uh, but he's, he falls under the, the, the roster of the, the 49ers is arguably the best in football. I mean, it's, 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 it's probably hard to make a case that it's not. Like it's so, very hard I mean, to make a case. I've I've suggested to friends that if you switch Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, yeah. San Francisco is going undefeated. Uh, the Ravens, I don't know. You know, it's well, a question mark. I don't know. I mean, that's Brock easy Purdy to say, and uh, that's easy to say. And by no means do I do I agree that Lamar Jackson is worlds better than Brock Purdy. Yes, but with the offense that um, that Shanahan runs, like it doesn't necessarily mean that he would step in and be as dynamic like cuz it's just it's a different thing but i agree with you he's far he's far superior but I, I really want to talk about the Jets. I, I disagree with you vehemently on the coaching. I want to see Salah removed. Uh, 
I know that it's a carousel over there and every two, three years has changed and you can't have stability in a franchise, yeah, but nonetheless. That's not even my argument, but I agree with that on some level, but that's not even I, my I, argument. I want, I, want, I want him out. I want new coaching. I want them to get someone in who can uh, move this offense to the next level. I want someone who has the team prepared because that pretty much is, as far as I'm concerned, the biggest issue. Well, they played and they beat... Uh, they beat the uh, Patriots in the snow when they didn't even show up to Cleveland. That says something about the coaching. I'm sorry. I, I agree. That is a knock against the coaching that the defense, especially his defense, didn't show up against Cleveland. And I said that. I said they looked like they were making business decisions, especially early in that game. But you're getting a quarter. You're getting someone back who's going to take this offense to the next level. The quarterback. Well, I don't know about that. Back. He's 40 years old. You know, I think a lot of people right, are You don't know that, and that's of... fair. That's fine. He's a 40-year-old quarterback, and you might you might be right. What are the odds next year's offense looks better? Bring back the – what's more of a crapshoot? The 40-year-old Hall of Fame four-time MVP quarterback or a new head coach? I would – when, uh, when, when you haven't had – when you failed when, – when it's coach after coach that fails, and year after year, and another Woody Johnson decision – like it's I, like it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like you're, well, you're not wrong. Hope. Everything's a crapshoot. Rogers might be awful. That's fine. And Salah very well could be a terrible head coach, and he certainly hasn't proven anything to the counter of that. But at the same time, like, what's the best way to win next year? It's Teams trusting have, Aaron Rodgers. There's no other choice. You see, team after team in this league that lost its starting quarterback and remained competitive. So the fact that they lost uh, Rodgers, obviously that hurts, but there's no excuse for this team just completely falling apart the way no, it's been. That's other, on the coaching. And it's, can, yeah, it's three-year record shows that I'm sorry, you don't give them a fourth year. I, I, well, I, go ahead. I, but, but my point is also, like, yeah, you're right. Oh, the other teams compete. The other teams made moves. It's more on Joe Douglas. The other the other teams went out and got a quarterback. The other, like Joe, the, the 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 Cleveland Browns just didn't sit on their laurels. They went out and got a quarterback. They went out and got Joe. Uh, they went out and got Flacco. Yeah, and uh, what did Salah do with Joe Flacco last year? Yeah, I mean he didn't win a lot of games with them. They, he didn't win they, anything last. They were terrible with Joe Flacco. With, well, with and that again, that's on Salah. Yeah, listen, I, I I get that, but it's it's you can't just put it in one circumstance. He's fit better. Is Stefanski a better head coach than Robert Salah? Fine, I'll give you that. How Bill do you know Parcells, who you're going to get Bill, next? You, Bill Parcells famously said, "You are what your record is." That is true. The, Three years under Salah have been a disaster. True. They are no better than what they were under Herm Edwards and the, and the litany of horrible yeah. Jets coaches. And if Herm Edwards had a Hall of Fame quarterback who was coming back next year saying he's the guy, then Herm Edwards wouldn't have been fired the year he got fired. Like, the, you got to understand, they're in a unique situation. Under normal circumstances, I would not be against you, Steve, because you're right. His record's been worthy of getting fired. There's no doubt about it. But they're not in normal circumstances. If they never got Aaron Rodgers and they just went one more year with Zach Wilson, and this is what turned out to be, I'd be open to fire him. Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Aaron Rodgers just got voted most inspirational player on the team. The team absolutely loves him. They believe in him. They believe this team is good enough to win with him. You can't go against him. And if you change a head coach, then you've got to change the offensive coordinator. You can't. You can't make the offensive coordinator keep Hackett because you know what that's going to breed? It's going to be Hackett and, and, and Aaron Rodgers against the head coach. 
Like, so if you're going to fire the head coach, you got to fire Hackett. And if you're going to fire Hackett, now you're going into a season with that 40-year-old injured quarterback learning a new offense or dealing with someone he doesn't know and, and coming up with lingo and language that he's not familiar with. Why on earth would I not have Aaron Rodgers as comfortable as humanly possible and, and playing in an offense that he knows inside and out and has won MVPs with? Like, well, the fault with your logic sense. is you're making the assumption that a new head coach would not want to retain Hackett, which yes. you don't know. You're assuming that, and that's not necessarily correct. What good head coach in this league is forced coordinators upon him? And, 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 and coordinators, it's not like he's coming in and taking Bill Belichick as his defensive coordinator. He would be coming in and taking one of the biggest failed head coaches in history a year ago in Denver, and then a guy who led this offense last year to the worst offense in the AFC. This is the coordinator the he's got to come that, in and take? The fact that he was a failed head coach at Denver means nothing. There are plenty of coordinators uh, who... Uh, reach their uh, of course, uh, but it's, most it's, of their success as coordinators I and are unsuccessful that, head it's, coaches, it's and they return to their coordinator role. So that's not that's not unique in this league. But uh, what is uh, what is unique is having a coach who has a, an abysmal three year record that Salah has and retaining him for a fourth year. That that's unique. Um, I, I understand your point. I do, but it's it's about Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers weren't here, it'd be different. It'd be different. And we have seen different people have, like, you know, it's not unheard of, but, and my point about Hackett's head coaching resume isn't necessarily that he, it means he can't be a good offensive coordinator, but he's got no leg to stand on. Right? He, he doesn't come in with a resume where a head coach could come in and go, okay, I, I understand it. You want to keep... You want to keep this guy as a as an, an offensive coordinator, okay? Oh, you've got Norv Turner, okay? I'll come in and, and I'll let Norv Turner be the offensive coordinator and run his offense. This is a guy who hasn't had any success really. He was part of he was he was with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, uh, with you know uh, with Matt Le, with Lafleur and that offense, and he took Blake Bortles to an AFC Championship game, but ultimately. This year has been a disaster. His head coaching uh, tenure in, in Denver last year was a disaster. What head coach is going to take over and be the guy coming in, replacing Robert Sala, and dealing with Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't want him there, and an offensive coordinator he doesn't know from Adam? And if you're going to tell me you're going to hire an offensive uh, head coach that's familiar with the offensive coordinator, just keep Robert Sala. I, it just none of it makes sense. You're not wrong. His record deserves, in normal circumstances, Robert Sala would be out of a job. Having Aaron Rodgers and having Aaron Rodgers have his back changes things. It just does. They brought in a Hall of Fame quarterback. His opinion counts. Should he, should he be the de facto GM and sign everybody? No. Should he have been a part of the decision who his backup quarterback was last year? No. Should he have had any say in who they go out and get once he gets injured? No. And I don't know for sure he had his hand in anything of those things, but it sure feels like that. So those there's a line in the sand. But when it comes to who's his coach, when it comes to who's, what offense he's running, he's going to be 40 years old, as you put it. He's coming off an Achilles injury. I need him to focus on staying healthy, not learning new offense. There's nothing else to do. 
You give him his offensive coordinator. You give him his head coach. You give it one more year, and if it fails, then you clean house. There's nothing else to do. The Jets have already made that decision. I do think it's the wise one. There's no point in talking about it. Sotla's coming back. Douglas is coming back. Hackett's coming back. And more important than all of that, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. And hopefully, he can stay healthy. And I firmly believe this offense can be vastly superior. Vastly. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Today was a nice snow day. I don't know about you guys. I know the city didn't get much up by me. We are, I, I, I probably got like eight eight or nine inches of snow. We were out uh, with the kids. I built a snowman. I put a picture of it up on uh, Twitter. I thought, here's the problem. Again, I blame Evan Roberts again. So Evan puts up the picture of his snowman, which is clearly... You know, a disaster. Let's just be honest. It's not a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm sure he did it with his kids, so I don't want to knock it. <laughs> but, you know, anyway, so the picture of the snowman. So I was outside building a snowman as well. And so I, I come inside after being outside with the kids. And, and by the way, you would think, like, I'm outside with the kids for, I don't know, we were out in the snow probably like for an hour and a half, maybe just in the backyard messing around, throwing snowballs. Like, they're unbelievable. I told you they're into wrestling. What do you think is going to happen out in the snow? I tried to tell my wife. I'm like, you know what's going to happen. We're not going to go out there and frolic in the snow and build a snowman together and do snow angels. And they're going to go out there, and they're going to beat the, the crap out of each other in the snow. That's what's going to happen. They're going to they're gonna do their wrestling moves and, and wrestle each other. And sure enough, I'm there building the snowman all by myself. And they're in the corner just absolutely jumping on top of each other and going crazy. We had, uh, I called it the Winter Wonderland pay-per-view event. So they had the Winter Wonderland Championship. Like, that's all they want to do is wrestle. So I'm out there literally rolling this ball, or, you know, trying to get the snowman together. And I, I posted the, the picture on Twitter. I was actually proud of my snowman. I mean, we didn't prepare at all. I didn't have any carrots for a nose, so I used, like, the, uh, the handle part of a the of a hole of a hoe you know the, the gardening tool so i like i push that into the the face and then just the 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 handle is the nose i got two limes for eyes because i don't use charcoal um so i got two eyes uh, two limes for eyes i put a little hat on his head we put a a, a scarf on and i thought man i just built especially looking at evan's Excuse me. Especially after looking at Evans, I'm like, wow, I just built the best damn snowman I've ever seen. So I post the picture, I send it to my friends, and I proceed to get bashed for my snowman. Not so much on Twitter, but by my buddies. I didn't know you had to, like, the idea that the snowman, and this is where, like, we need to get away from the idea that the snowman is just these perfectly cylinder, you know, round snowman. Like, it's about five and a half feet tall. He's got a nice big head. He's got the hat. He's got the the lime eyes and the hoe face and the hoe nose. 
Like, that's good enough. The idea that he's got to be, like, perfectly round, the bottom has to be significantly bigger than the middle, and then that has to be significantly... I'm not building some stereotypical 1940s Frosty the Snowman, okay? I don't, I'm not going to fit into your rules. All right? I'm not going to go by what you deem to be a snowman. A snowman is whatever you can make. And as I'm getting my legs taken out from under me by the kids, I'm terrified they're going to run through them. They're giving me no help. I'm over there. I have to play referee and snowman maker. It was a lot of stress. It was a lot of stress. Plus, I decided to smoke a pork butt and make some pulled pork for dinner. So I'm dealing with the smoker. I'm dealing with the, the kids fighting and ramming their faces into the snow. I'm trying to build a snowman. I got a fire going in here. I got to make sure that I'm not neglecting the fire and making sure that's burning. I got, I got a lot going on. A lot of plus. Then the football game started at one o'clock. I got to watch the lousy Jets and Giants. I got to watch the rest of the NFL, hoping that the Giants would lose and seeing the games that would impact the draft position. Unfortunately, that didn't happen for the Giants. And I know they won by a lot. They kicked the crap out of the Eagles. Great. It was a lot of fun. We all enjoyed it. But my first snow day in for a while, we, I felt like we haven't had a big snowstorm like this, at least up by me. I had eight, nine inches. I haven't had this much snow in a long time. So it was fun to be out there with the kids. They're crazy. But like my buddies are really getting on me for my snowman. If you see the picture, I tweeted it out. I think that's a damn good snowman. I'm perfectly satisfied with my snowman. Fliegelman, you do me a favor. Take a look at my Twitter when you get a chance. Let me know what you think of my snowman skills. I thought it was perfectly fine. It's got a nice little hat, <clears throat> a different style hat. It's not a top hat either. I didn't go stereotypical top hat. <clears throat> I don't build snowman for you. I built snowman for me. 877-337-6666. But I hope everyone was safe and enjoyed the snow, enjoyed the football, enjoyed your Sunday the last football Sunday of the year or the regular season before we get into the playoffs. A little bit of news. Obviously, Arthur Smith fired with the Atlanta Falcons after another disappointing season. And obviously, the end of that game, if you saw that, that's one of the the more interesting... I don't know if I've ever heard what Jameson Winston said in the post-game press conference today. Oh, in his post-game, in his post-game meeting with the Saints. Uh, so obviously, if you don't know, the Saints were playing the Falcons. It ended up being a meaningless game. Both are not making the playoffs. But, you know, it was a big game for them. They had a chance to win the division if everything went different. But anyway, so they, they're they beating up the Falcons, beating them bad. It's at the end of the game. <clears throat> they're up 41-17. to 17. It's at the end of the game. They have an interception that's run back to the one-yard line with like a minute left in the game. And apparently, you know, they they really want to get Jamal Williams the running back a touchdown. Right? The team, he means a lot to him. He hasn't had a touchdown this year. They want to get him a touchdown. So the the you know the coach of of uh, New Orleans. Yeah, Allen. Um calls a victory. Calls a kneel down. To end the game. The game's over. There's a minute left. It's 41-17. Game is over. So they line up in the victory. But instead of actually taking the knee, 
They hand the ball off to Jamal Williams, who gets a touchdown. And obviously, Arthur Smith is just nuts. He goes after Allen at the 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 fifty yard line where they shake hands. He's screaming and cursing. That's BS. That's this. He's furious, running up the score. And he's, in my opinion, everyone was getting on him. Listen, he just got fired. He's not a very good head coach. The 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 inability to make any of these offensive weapons they draft year after year who are talented guys. I mean, and and the way they use Bijan Robinson this year is just mind boggling to me. And that has nothing to do with the fact that you know I owned him in fantasy. Just mind boggling to me how he's used. Obviously, the tight end is as talented as it comes. Still can't figure out a way to make him. London is a good wide. Like they just year after year they draft these offensive weapons. Uh, the quarterback play sucks. Don't get me wrong, but. He's on his way out. He just got fired. And I understand he's a loser, and they had an opportunity to, to be uh, a part of a crappy division. They let the Bucks win the division, blah, blah, blah. I get it. So when he's complaining on the sidelines after getting the crap kicked out of him, 48-17, to 17, when he's complaining to the other coach, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, shut up. You're a big whiny complainer. You're a loser. Maybe if you weren't so terrible. But I'm sorry. That is absolute nonsense. And I would be just as upset if I were the head coach. It's 41 to 17. You, if, it's one thing if you line up in a play. Like if you line up in, you know, uh, you know uh, I formation. If you just line up and run the play, that's one thing. At least I see it coming. You cannot line up in a victory formation and then pull a BS move and run it into the end zone. That is absolute garbage, and he had every right to be mad. I'm sorry. I know it's sour milk, sour grapes. Uh, I, I I get he's had a terrible year, and they put themselves in a position to be embarrassed that way, but that's absolute garbage. And I know it's the NFL. Stand there and run a play then. Don't give me the the formation where you're going to take a knee and, and my, my defensive linemen aren't going to even, you know, we're going to give up the second the snap's made and then run in a touchdown. Absolute garbage. But then in the postgame, we find out that Allen, the head coach of the the Saints didn't call the play that he wanted the victory formation that he wanted the kneel down and in the post game Jameson Winston who is the backup quarterback for this team who's in there in garbage time says they outvoted the head coach that the head coach wanted to just take a knee and he apologizes to the head coach but as a team they discussed it and decided to go against the coach's wishes and the play call and get Williams a touchdown. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm racking my brain. I can't ever remember a quarterback in the postgame just openly and casually, and he's actually getting praise for being honest, which I get. I mean, I, I guess I'm glad he's honest. But... For this team to say we made a decision as a team that we were going to overrule the head coach, at what line does it stop? It's okay to do it at 41-17 in the last minute of the season? I, I, I understand that, but when it's, where do you draw the line on when it's okay to disregard what your coach called and said to do? And I think that speaks volumes about the coach as well. That they felt, can you imagine a Bill Belichick-led team where Belichick calls a kneel down and they give a they give the, the fullback a touchdown? He would lose it. 
I can't. And there, and and hey, listen, the coach called the knee, but we talked about it. It wasn't an easy decision, but we felt it was more important to get uh, Jamal Williams a touchdown than it was to listen to our head coach and to run the play that was called, and then to embarrass embarrass the Falcons by putting up a last touchdown to make it 48-17 when you run it out of victory formation. I'm I don't know if I've ever seen anything like that. That is that is a that is a wild wild take. To just be like, yeah, you know. The coach said take a knee, but we thought better of it. <laughs> I mean, look, I understand, there's probably situations in games that we don't even know about where a run is called and the quarterback, certainly the likes of Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they have the ability to change the play. I mean, they, they probably it's a play call with multiple options, and the quarterback has the, the option to change it or, or whatever. If he sees a look, he has the permission or the right to just audible the play into a different play because he sees a particular look. Like, that's that's understandable. But when the quarter, when the head coach... When you're up 41 to 17 and the head coach says, take a knee and you go, well, and then he uses the excuse of the interception run down to the one. Well, I mean, listen, it was the perfect circumstance. The, it got run down to the one We're right there, then line up and run a play. And if you were going to disregard your coach, why give him the, the, the benefit of lining up in the formation he called, just say, forget it. We're going to run. We're going to run a 32 dive or whatever it is. Like, oh, that's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Uh, and when, I mean, I'm watching the interview and Jameis Winston just casually says, yeah, you know, I apologize to Dennis Allen. I apologize to DA. Um, he called the kneel down, but, you know, we as a team discussed it and we thought better of it. Okay. That's interesting. That is an interesting one. You know, it reminds me of um, it reminds me a little bit of the Astros cheating scandal, where uh, Hinge, the manager, takes a baseball bat to the monitor they're using to cheat. So they have the monitor, they have the the feed of the the, ca- the catcher signal. They bang the drums. They use this monitor uh, to signal the hitter on what's coming. At the end of one of the games. Hinge, the manager at the time of the Astros, takes a baseball bat and he smashes the video screen to smithereens. And instead of saying, wow, I guess the manager wants us to put an end to it, they just put up a new monitor the next day. (laughs) Like, yeah, we all knew that Hinge wasn't crazy about it, but we decided to do it anyway. This is what this is. Yeah, coach said, you know, take a knee and end the game, but we said, nah. Let's score another touchdown. What the hell? Season's over. Give uh, Scott Hansen one more touchdown to talk about. Amazing. 877-337-6666. Phil Manhattan, what's up, Phil? Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning to you, sir. Yeah, I'm calling regarding uh, yesterday's uh, empty uh, victory uh, by yes. the Giants That's over a depleted uh, Philadelphia Eagles and a totally meaningless game. That empty victory does not in any way, shape, or form, not even one bit, change my attitude about the Giants being the worst team in the NFL 
maybe maybe in all of North America. That that victory was so empty to me, was so meaningless, was so nothing that that I'm amazed that anybody even showed up to watch that game. Wow, Phil, you're even you're even more adamant than I am about it. Yes, uh, I I don't disagree with you. I think it was a a meaningless, empty win. It was fun while it happened because listen, we're we hate Philadelphia. I hate the Eagles. I hate them. I have this discussion a lot with Giant fans. I don't understand anyone who who at least a Giant fan of of forty years or younger, even fifty years or younger, like. I don't know how you don't like the. I don't know how you hate the Cowboys more than you hate the Eagles. There are plenty of Giant fans out there who hate the Cowboys more. I don't get it. The Eagles beat them every single big game. The Eagles just own the Giants. So okay. was it nice to watch them just beat the crap out of this playoff bound Eagle team? Yes. For for about about fifteen minutes, I was like, wow, this is fun. I didn't see this coming. But ultimately, you're right. It moved them to six and ten. And the Eagles are moving on to the playoffs. It meant I'll tell you something. nothing. It changes nothing. Absolutely uh, nothing I'll, in the I'll dynamic. We just talked. Let me just finish one second. Okay. It changes absolutely nothing in the dynamic we just talked about where the Eagles kick the crap out of the Giants. This changes absolutely nothing. In no way, shape, or form do I point to this game and go, hey, well, we did at least get that one. Like, it means absolutely nothing. The Eagles still own the Giants. It did absolutely nothing for me. The second the game was over... I was focused on next year in the draft. I was focused on <clears throat> Miami Buffalo. I was focused on anything but the idea of woohoo! We beat the Eagles. That was the last thing on my mind. Yeah, the the more I was watching the game, the more my contempt and scorn was was growing. You know about the Giants. I mean this seriously. I'm telling you, I was so. This is the first time I ever felt this way about a Giants winning a game. Not feeling good about it, but feeling disgust. I mean that seriously. Well, why did you feel this? I mean, there's a again. I don't understand feeling good about it. I don't understand. It ended up not costing them that much. It is one slot. I would have rather have, believe me. I'm with you. I would have rather have lost the game and still had the fifth pick than win the game and have the sixth pick. It does. That means more to me. That one slot in the draft does mean more to me than winning the game against the Eagles. But yeah, the, I don't know about. Yeah. I didn't feel disgust as I was watching it. What well, what made you uh, so I did. angry while you were watching it? I did because it because it, the game wasn't showing the Giants is really you know it it didn't show that they were a good team. It just showed that they could you know show up against a depleted team and do something. But if they played against any kind of decent team, they have no chance of winning. That's my point. The game itself well, was a sham. That's my point. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if the game was a sham necessarily, Phil. I think the game was the Eagles didn't show up to it. I think that's fair. And then they threw in the they they waved the white flag halfway through. Fair. Uh, it doesn't make me feel better about this giant team. It doesn't make me feel like ooh, you know they were better than we thought they were. Look at that, beat the Eagles like that. No, it does nothing for me. I agree. I didn't feel disgust watching it. The disgust I had was pretty much you know built up through eight and two uh, two and eight uh, ten games through. I, I kind of lost the I, I've lost the ability to have disgust while watching them once the season was dead. Like that the, that Raiders game was probably the end of my disgust. I was disgusted watching the Raider game. Since then, it's either been a pleasant surprise with a victory or exactly what I expected with a loss. So I don't know about disgust or a sham necessarily, but I don't get as much enjoyment as others seem to have got from it. And and this was my whole point leading up to it. Like, even if they win this game, even if it's fun, 
which it was. Again, don't get me wrong. I like beating the Eagles. I I hate the Eagles. They are number one on the list of teams I hate. They have owned the Giants. I've talked about this a lot. <clears throat> doesn't matter what quarterback. I mean, Jeff Garcia beat them in a playoff game. Obviously, Donovan McNabb. Uh, I remember Vince Young going down the field in the fourth quarter to beat them. Like they had when when he was the backup quarterback and and they had an injury. Like they have lost to the Eagles the, the, the Sean Jackson game obviously. Like every big spot, every big game, every time they have played the Eagles in a meaningful game since since uh the playoff in 2000 when Ron Dixon runs the opening kickoff for a touchdown. After that game, from that moment till now, any time there was a any kind of anything on the line and the Eagles were playing the Giants, the Eagles kicked the crap out of them. That's just the truth. So did I enjoy watching them get, you know, beat the crap out of the Eagles and take a 24 nothing lead? Yeah, it was fun. And then by the third quarter, I was done with the fun. The game was over. They had Mariota in there. They waved the white flag. And I no longer cared. I no longer cared. It didn't do a damn thing for me. I was on to the next thing. I was on to the next thing. I was on to waiting for the Miami Buffalo game. I was on to where, what does what is this exactly going to do? Where are the Chargers? Like, what does this do for the draft? That's what I was on. I was done with it. It brought me 20 minutes of joy, and then I didn't care, which is what I said from the beginning, which is why this week meant nothing to me and why I wanted to lose the game. And I still feel that way. It's only one slot. It didn't kill them. They were... If if certain teams would have lost, unfortunately, all Washington, New England, and Arizona, which you know had the game won, but all three of them lost. So the Giants couldn't have moved up. The best they could have done was five with a loss, and everybody else, like it was only L.A. It was only the Chargers. So they lost one slot. It's not the end of the world. It's not the drastic change it could have been. Like, I'm telling you right now, if Arizona would have won that game, I'd been more pissed off that they could have been four if they lost. Or if the Patriots would have beat the Jets. Like, then I really would have been mad at what it could have cost the Giants. But ultimately, it cost them from five to six. Five probably doesn't get them the top two, maybe the top three quarterback anyway. They're going to have to move up. It's not the, it's not, I'm not sick to my stomach over it. But if you're asking me, would I have traded the fun I had for 20 minutes? Yesterday, for the fifth pick as opposed to the sixth, yes, I would. I'd rather have the fifth pick than the 20 minutes of fun I had watching them beat the Eagles. Because what's happened now? Now we're going to go through it. When we get back from the break, we'll go through, oh, they're playing the Bucks on Monday night uh, in, the, in the schedule here. Uh, that's great. They're ready for the playoffs. Eagles-Buccaneers, we're going to talk a lot about the Saturday Night Peacock game. We're going to talk about the playoffs. The Giants aren't in it, and the Eagles are. The Eagles are moving on, and the Giants are done. And the Giants are 6-11, and and that game did absolutely nothing for me. I enjoyed it while it was going on. Now it's over. And, and for 20 minutes, we cared about beating the Eagles, and now for the next four months, we'll care about the draft pick. I, I weighed the four months over the 20 minutes. And I, and I honestly don't know how many people, it's amazing to me how many people disagree with me. It's amazing to me. It's just been ingrained in you. You root for the Giants, Giants have to win. Otherwise, you're, you're being stupid. I, I get it. I get it. 
And ultimately, I wish they did change the rules so that I wouldn't feel this way and it wouldn't be so obvious that they get benefited by losing. I wish that weren't the case, but it is. I don't care about the Giants winning a game to go 6-11. and 11. I care about building a, a, a franchise that can win year in and year out. I want to be the Eagles. I don't want to beat them to go 6-11. and 11. I want to be them.